but I bet it tastes so good. It was <laughs> just, quite tasty, yeah. yeah <laughs> it was just like, oh, ooh, the tastiest blister of all. Yeah, there are a few times I had to go in the back and be like, hold on, I gotta go in the back and uh, check the syrup. And then also I'm just licking the back of my hand going, it's not too bad. It's you're butter like, flavor and you're okay. Oh, I'm developing a taste for it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it just looked like it was just like vegetable oil. It's John, the movie theater cannibal. <laughs> the concession cannibal. John. That's me putting I ate my own hand. <laughs> oh, I'd be a pretty lame cannibal if I did that. Yeah. I mean, but I, that's the thing is you keep going around and be like, oh, my hand. I want my hand back. I don't know. You're also a ghost. Well, I'm a ghost. I'm haunting him too. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. That's fine. I mean, it's kind of a hat on a hat, but still, like, uh, you're hot. And then the people are like, wait, didn't you eat your own head? And you'd be like, oh, fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Can you redo the theme song with this extra added ghostness, though, please? <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Uh, mm-hmm. It's John, the concession cannibal. Also, he's a ghost. And if you convince, if you talk about his hand, he'll tell you it's fake news. That's John. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, TM, TM, TM. Stop listening to this podcast, Warner Brothers. I know you're gonna you're gonna need something new to fill all that stuff. The you know, all that airtime with all the stuff you're canceling. You know, when you merge Discovery and HBO together, you're gonna you're gonna need stuff to go in there. And I don't wanna see John, the concession cannibal, who's also a ghost, and if you ask him about his hand, he'll tell you it's fake news on your channel, okay? If I see that, you better hear from you better wait to hear from Harvey Keitel, who is our lawyer. I don't know how I got him, but he, he owes but he me is. a favor. Nah, it's a big favor. Is Harvey Keitel still with us? Yes, 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 he is. He's just not doing anything. Let's go. go. You know we got to keep it hype all day and night like this. Showing love when we can. Shout out to the super fans. Uh-huh. You don't really want to miss Pop Soccer. Stay lit. So if you ready, we ride and take it back to the 90s. From movies to the video games, just a couple of nerds keep it so entertaining. Hey, Pop Saga. Grace Dell Nichols, perhaps better known as Nichelle, was born the third of six children on December 28th, 1932. She found success on sta- stage both as an actor and a singer and would go on to become a true trailblazer as the first black woman featured in a maver major maver <laughs> so it's this is all for you Michelle. i'm so <laughs> d- tongue-tied to this intro uh but the first black woman ever featured in a major primetime television series with her role as lieutenant uhura on star trek today we're going to attempt in our own clumsy way to honor the legacy of this wonderful woman by talking about one of her uh, best movies and one of the absolute best star trek films of all time star trek to the wrath of khan i am forrest and i am joined as always by john and michelle this one's for you
Yeah, here. Indeed. A sad bit of news last month, July 30th. We lost one of the uh, most iconic, one of the most uh, influential sci-fi stars of all time. And stars of all sorts of other stuff, too. I... Before I did some research for this show, I had no idea that she had put out two albums and got her start not only on the stage, but also as a uh, background singer in uh, um, a band that I forgot to write down. (laughs) Oh, good for you. I didn't write the band down. Okay, good. (laughs) So So it's not just me. No, I mean, I was just, you know, flabbergasted by all that she did, like, kind of post trek or you know even kind of like in between the trek so to speak between the you know the end of the original series and then um even before the movies kicked up with her work with nasa and that's just insane you know what i mean like literally recruiting people uh you know different minorities different races and ethnicities and gender and gender you know to aspire to be astronauts and that's like beyond commendable um, yeah, I was just caught up in that or, you know, like the bits of trivia that you read about her or hear about her. So beyond just like this total badass on the bridge of the starship enterprise, she's also a real badass in life. Truly. I mean, her work with, uh, her work with NASA is no joke. I mean, many of the most famous female astronauts that you just maybe jump to mind like Sally Ride for example would not have been uh would not have been part of NASA were it not for the assistance of Nichelle Nichols that's pretty insane yeah, it, i mean that level of you know we've talked about it in the past and i've definitely talked about it in terms of looking for representation and giving you something to aspire for and that is exactly what she did whether you know uh she intended it or not it just was a a a byproduct of the times and the character of who she was not just the character she is playing and yeah it's it's just crazy just like you know here you are doing this sci-fi show and then like hey hey we want to employ you to help like you know it's like almost like the first youtube influencer thing before an influencer they're like let's get some celebrity star power here and it paid off like you said sally ride but guon blueford who is the first african-american male astronaut uh in judith a resnick you now that was one of the astronauts that unfortunately perished on the challenger i mean again this was you know, someone who influenced them to pursue their dreams and aspire to go to space. It's just, it, it truly mind blowing. Yeah, it, truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, not only that, but um, like, I'm sure everyone probably listening to this has, has heard the story about after the first season of Star Trek, mm-hmm. Nichelle Nichols was just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, have <laughs> you seen this the- thing? Yeah, there was. They said this was supposed to be an alien planet, but it was just a bunch of foam rocks and then just a pink sheet in the background. I don't know about this. Uh, I, I maybe uh, would like to do something else. And 
Literally, can you imagine someone like Martin Luther King coming up to you and being like, hey, maybe just do it, though? Maybe it would be great if you just did it. Then that would be, I think, really cool. I think if I was her, I would also be like, okay, yeah, right. No, I get it. Yeah, I mean. this is a good thing to do. I mean, you know, we're making a little bit of light of the situation, what she experienced on the, you know, the, not necessarily the production side, but the studio side. I think it was. You know what I mean? But like the, she the did reason- not want to leave because of the quality of the set. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let me not lead you down the wrong path. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the fact that you have, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King being like, yeah, you're the only show we let our kids watch um, that we approved because here you are a role model and you're not just doing it for you. And it's not just a role. What it, it means so much more. Um, just to have such a, a, you know, like a positive role model, um, and not one, not, not one that was like, not, I, I can't think of the term, not, a. what's a real, it's a real dark term too. Not like the, I don't, not like the ideal version, just, you know, more like just a, a solid role model and yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he told me to do something, I'd be like, okay, I guess I hate this job. But I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's an incredible story. She had an incredible life and was an incredible character on an incredible show. How many times can Forrest say incredible? One more, obviously. <laughs> but uh, uh, in addition to that, she's had her, like, her, she's put her stamp on all sorts of really indelible genre stuff uh she was i mean you of course remember her in her episodes of futurama where she played herself and uh she was also on gargoyles as uh elisa maza's mother i assume that's the detective i don't i'm not good with names yep that is yes 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 i i could have confirmed it for you you're okay you're okay okay well you know i'm not great with names but uh she was uh diane maza and then um uh, the animated series Gargoyles. And of course, uh, in an episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series, like not the one we talked about last time, but, uh, um, you know, probably a good one. I don't really remember the episode she was in. It, it was the one named after that movie I don't want to see the sequel to. Avatar. That's it. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I'm sure it was, I'm sure this was good <laughs> i don't remember uh she was in the simpsons too i mean she's just been in all sorts of crazy stuff heroes remember that show with the f- nope. future version of spock nope no no you don't remember heroes no nope, no nope. um if it was anything after season one i sure as heck don't um, cause I stopped watching said show that you mentioned that does not exist. <laughs> I could be your heroes, baby, but not really. Yeah, no, um, really. get out of here with that. I've got about one season full of good ideas. <laughs> well, like not even a full season. It was just like, it stopped <laughs> like the, that last episode made me go, really? You go, you just go. I'm going to beat her out at the end. 
Oh, okay, you're just gonna fight in a in a uh, a business park like fountain. This is it. Yeah, that okay. was uh, not and not even an interesting one. It was just. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it could have just been a bucket with just like you know, floor is wet here and you know mop, and I'd have been like, oh, at least there's some texture. No, that was oh my god. And then everyone just stand in a row, do your powers because this is all we can do. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, okay. Not, not <laughs> well. There you go. Mm-hmm. She uh, was. She was. Uh, she had a reoccurring role on that uh, on that show, um, and uh, won a daytime Emmy for her performance on The Young and the Restless. Oh, nice! So I'm talking Back in about 2017. Oh, I thought the way you said it, I was like, back in, okay, this must be like the 70s. And you're like, 2017? That's pretty good. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's just, I mean, I remember she even showed up on this one uh, on Comic Book Men. She played herself, trying to get a Mego version of herself. That was the whole premise, but it was great to see her. I was like, oh, what? Yes. The guys from, what, are they not, are they just not going to give it? Or did they try the nickel and dimer? They tried the nickel Migo? and dimer for it, for the Mego, but they ended up giving, <laughs> they uh, ended up giving it to her for free. Okay, I'm sure um, that was all cooked. Of course it was cooked. And then they uh, reenacted, you know, the, the kiss that shook the mountains of television when her and William Shatner uh, shared a kiss on Star Trek. Um, they reenacted it there with one of the comic book men. Oh, well. Yeah, lucky I mean, that I, guy. Poor yeah, lucky job. that guy, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully yeah. that was her idea. I'm hoping so. I think it was. I think she's having fun with it at that point. Okay, well, I'm, I, I truly hope that's the truth. Um, that's a, the, There was a funny story about that, too, which I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, uh, but uh, what I heard was that they did that they did that kiss William Shatner and her mm-hmm. on Star Trek, and it was a big deal at the time. And yeah. the studio, of course, as you alluded to before, uh, were uh, not looking too kind on this uh, thing that had happened. So they, I think, they made them do separate takes, but they wanted them to just hug or something that wasn't a kiss. And William Shatner would just make a stupid face every time. And so they had to use the take where they kissed. I, I've heard the same. Because like, back then, I guess they were really wasted films. <laughs> like, we just got to keep it. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, the, the film's expensive and you only got so much. And that's it. I mean, good. Like, talk about breaking barriers of things that should not be that shocking but it's i guess it's weird because for us our perspective is a little different from when we grew up versus when this happened you know in what 66 i think i couldn't Mm -hmm. i couldn't picture this being as like scandalous as a lot of people made it out to be but when you read about it most of the fan mail seemed to be just positive it was like thank you Finally, holy, you know, holy smokes, we can't believe it's taken so long to have, like, first on-screen kiss between a black woman and a white man on an American television series. Not the first, like, interracial kiss. Technically, that's like I Love Lucy, I think. 
But, you know, just to have this momentous occasion, which should mean nothing other than just two people, you know, kissing. But here it is, just like sending CBS and a tizzy, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, they can't be doing it. And then just have, you know, William Shatner going, they're like, well, we got to keep the kiss in then. For twisting people's arms into uh, being revolutionary. Uh, it, it, you're right, though. It does. There is a there is an aspect of this because uh, it's really important to recognize the the incredible obstacles she had to overcome, and also the things that she did that were so monumentally kind of like culture shifting in their importance. But at the same time, it really is. It's really terrible that it that it had to be this huge deal um because in any other situation between and two other people it wouldn't have been a something that would that would have caused any sort of controversy or would have been monumentally historical at all and uh so in a way it's just like you're just you're you're celebrating someone for doing something but it's really it's like but they shouldn't have had to yeah not whatsoever but it takes somebody to be the first somebody you know in any of those situations and honestly as happy it was michelle nichols because you know being a a, doing something like that breaking down societal norms or perceived societal norms and you know doing it with such grace and class uh, making it you know better for anyone who comes after her um, in terms of doing, you know, other forms of media or uh, anything else. It's just mm-hmm. like you need someone to be the, uh, the the first one, no pun intended, to trek out there and do it. And she did it. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah a little pun intended. But, <laughs> yeah, def- I mean, definitely pun intended. Yeah, a lot right? of pun. A lot of pun. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just... Uhura was so cool. And, like, you know, I even love the, like, the ear radio dish thing that she'd always wear. Yeah, it looked like one of those things you could get in a honey, a pot of honey. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, cup. You're like, what is this? It's, I don't know. I just know Winnie the Pooh likes it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's what he stirs his honey with. And it doesn't stick for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, you know, the fact that, yeah, taking the helm taking the con anything that's required and it was no different than anyone else it was not insane it wasn't like (gasps) you know it was just you know like star trek if anything showed us and shows us continuously hopefully the ideal culmination of where we should end up as a, a race um you know what i mean Absolutely. I mean, she was uh, she was a bridge officer on the the starship, and uh, that was just the facts. And it wasn't like they were constantly being like, "Oh, hey, it's Uhura, cool." Let's like uh, maybe <laughs> high fiving her or whatever, being like, uh, just being very uh, weird, uh, inoffensive or offensive <laughs> towards her constantly. <laughs> Well, yeah, or along the you lines of... You did a great of, job for, you know, you. <laughs> Jesus, yes. <laughs> or the other one is like, well, we know you're up here. You know, you, Sulu, and to a lesser degree, Chekhov are up here because of affirmative action. 
Right. Well, I mean, they had to cut all that the times that Kirk said that out. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Only three seasons he said it every episode. <laughs> Ad-libbed or not. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Don't come at me, Shatner. <laughs> every I, time I, you would have a, a scene with Scotty, he'd just be like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Get in trouble. <laughs> You'd better lay off the Romulan ale. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a terrible thing to say about somebody, but, uh, you know, whatever. All this gets cut out. Forrest's Star Trek views do not represent John's own. John, <laughs> John sees it for the model society that we could have versus the one that he outlined. James Doonan probably did not do that at all. Uh, he seemed like <laughs> yeah. a pretty cool dude. <laughs> he, like bought- he left <laughs> Willie Shatnow out of there. You were like, uh, yeah, James Doohan probably was a solid as Sears, but... Uh, I mean, dude be. lost his couple of fingers in World War Two. I'm going to give him his proppers, you know what I mean? Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. He yeah. Had, he was missing, I think it's just the one finger. No, I thought, but, it was, uh, I thought it was a couple on his right hand. I don't know, I don't like track those things. It's just one of those, really? I never give noticed. James Doohan his finger do. <laughs> that sounds weird it sounds weird to say but it, there you it go did. i'm surprised you did but i knew you would take us there and uh his reviews still don't represent what john thinks about star trek <laughs> i was flying starships when you were still in diapers that uh, is that is probably incorrect but true at the same time it's one of his lines from the uh, Next Generation episode that he was on, where they find him uh, in the transporter buffer on a ship crashed into a Dyson sphere. Wait, what's a what's a Next Generation? What's this you talk mm, about? Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Is this like Heroes? <laughs> is this a called pop culture podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking about real stuff. I don't know what this Next Gen you're talking about. I, I kid. Not really. Uh. I kid. I kid. <laughs> Some may call it kidding. Right? Yeah, sure. Sure. So what are you toasting to uh, the woman, the myth, the icon, Michelle Nichols? Um, So uh, that last, uh, the gray ghost from the previous episode, uh, yeah, uh, haunted me a good portion of the day afterwards. It was quite quite mighty. I shouldn't have done it. So uh, um, I went with something easy. I went and got me my Maui made gin and tonic. And um, I think it truly is heat inspired for some strange reason. My house seems to be the Delta Quadrant here. It's just hot for some reason, uh-huh. even though outside is fairly cold. Um, so this gin and tonic tastes delicious. But oh, okay. So you're coming around. Yeah. I just think I need to have it in like baking unbearable heat okay just so it's like it's the relief <laughs> exactly you're like well yeah i mean it it's better because i won't be nearly as messed up as i was on this on the gray ghost or the the, the fuzzy one i made the week before uh-huh. well, yeah i'm coming around to it i'm coming around to it what about yourself oh, good what about you? uh so i um originally so I looked up, I did a little research, and I said, there must be a cocktail based on Uhura. Mm-hmm. And indeed there is. 
but reading the ingredients, and I might be overreacting, I'd, I'd leave space for that, but it made me a little uncomfortable because oh, it was okay. like tequila, something else, and then chocolate syrup. So it's a brown cocktail called Uhura's Kiss. And I said to myself, is this endorsed by Michelle Nichols? <laughs> something tells me maybe not. So I said that one also sounded gross. Uh, so that was out of the running. Okay, good. Um, and so then I was like, uh, th- there's plenty of Star Trek uh, inspired cocktails. So I found sure. one, and it was the um, the Canar Sazerac. Now, if you don't know what Canar is, Canar is the viscous, seemingly disgusting um, uh, alcoholic beverage that is favored by the Cardassians. Um, and so I. Yeah, and so yeah, it's a Sazerac as well, which is not really my favorite. And this one is sounded even weirder because it was you mix cognac with uh, Frenette Branca. Oh, jeez, uh, what's wrong right? with you? <laughs> and then you Holy put in two shit. kinds of bitters, both Ormond and both orange and uh, Astruga or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, oh, you just so gave me like heartburn. Yeah, it sounded so foul. So I, that also, I couldn't find, uh, I couldn't find Frenet at the uh, at the the grocery store that I went to. So instead, mm-hmm. I got a canned cocktail. Um, you know, uh, the Vulcans always say on Star Trek, "Live long and prosper." So I got the long drink. Um. And that it sounds says, like a long stretch, but continue. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, there's several things about this that are a little bit strange. Um, it's called the Finnish Long Drink Legend of 1952. Um, and, uh, you know, I think maybe people put too much uh, kind of reverence around how things were back in the 50s. So that was my first... Uh, like a lot of food of 1952, I don't think you'd <laughs> would be excited to be eating, you know, with today's palate. So if this is the drink that they were just uh, gaga for back in the 50s, I'm not sure that that really gives me all that much hope. But what I come to find out is that this is made by a company called the Long Drink Company. So this okay. is, I guess, all they do. And they say on the box, you know... The best-selling, try this best-selling drink, the long drink. And what okay. I come to find out from reading their little blurb here is that the long drink is the top-selling category of alcohol in Finland. Category. Not this particular drink. No, no, no. That's just like saying... Try this canned uh, whiskey and cola. It's the number one drink in America, but the type of drink, whiskey and cola, is the number one drink in America, not this particular one. And I so like... they bamboozled me good, is what I'm saying. I Well, I mean, you know what? Good for them. They figured out a way to make you go like, well, he seems to be based on, you know, like... Just trying to get approval from uh, any sort of award categories, and he needs to drink the fanciest of booze. Let's get him on a technicality. Let's get let's trick him into drinking our 
our booze. And um, I am sad to report, John. Yeah. And I think I think this might have been some sort of uh, sort of underhanded trickery aimed directly at me or us. But this long drink, while refreshing and sort of tasty, also tastes like hmm. The slush that you'd find at the bottom of a trash can? It tastes like damn alcohol of Fresca. They got me. They stuck <laughs> Fresca into my long drink. <laughs> That's what you get. You're drinking the Fresca long drinks. Whatever a long <laughs> drink actually is. Is that what they did? The Finns? Did they bring over the Fresca? <laughs> And they call, they're like, oh, let's take the alcohol out and we'll call it a long drink. I mean, we'll call it a fresca. It was a long drink, but without the alcohol, it would be fresca. Is that a Finnish accent? I don't know. Sorry, Finnish people. Works for me. His Finnish accent doesn't actually represent John's views on the Finnish people. John thinks Finnish people are pretty good, even though he doesn't know what a long drink is. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh... Coming up on today's pop saga, fuck you, Fresca. (laughs) Well, uh, drink your alcoholic Fresca. Um, I did. I did find this one quote. Michelle Nichols said that uh, kind of. I think actually drums up how I feel about Star Trek as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, Mind if I read it? Please do. Star Trek represented, and still does represent, the future we can have, the future that is beyond the petty squabbles we are dealing with here on Earth now as much as ever, and we are able to devote ourselves to the betterment of all humankind by doing what we do so well, explore. This kind of future isn't impossible, and we need to all rethink our priorities to really bring that vision to life. That's beautiful. I mean, it's how I feel about Star Trek. You know, I do give it a lot of gruff here. Well, not all the shows, just the shows you like. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Thanks. Well, you know, I mean, we all can't be right all the time. Yeah, with the exception of me. Anyway, but it, it really is. That's the difference between, you know, like a war of the stars versus a trek among the celestial bodies is just kind of how it showed that eventually we kind of got over our own stuff, our own mess and learned that we could be living better together. And, you know, that was always the inspiring thing about Star Trek. Not necessarily like the Federation, but more about the, you know, the, the members on the bridge, the people who were, exhibiting the best that like humankind actually had to offer. So Mm -hmm. that's what always makes it enjoyable for me. And, um, you know, always a a fun watch. So I was happy to see that, you know, she said, she said as much. Yeah, it it truly did, uh, represent, I mean, it does represent an idealistic future where it is a a post scarcity economy. So, uh, you know, everyone's needs are met and instead we turn our, uh, efforts to, into the discovery and the scientific and, you know, expanding, literally expanding our horizons. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful vision. 
a beautiful vision that's hard to imagine would be an actual future <laughs> in today's world. But man, is it fun to pretend like it could be. I mean, sometimes you need that world of escape, and at least that's not something that's jumping right back at you. You know, like watching sure, yeah. a show that just seems to be echoing everything around you versus a what can be. Or, you know, a movie that is like a what can be versus what is currently going on. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like, uh, except that when I'm watching Deep Space Nine and they go back in time to the Gabriel Bell riots and it's San Francisco and they're, they've pushed all the poor people into walled cities. <laughs> And, uh, and like, uh, while the rich people live in these, like, beautiful towers, <laughs> you're just like, wait a minute, is that, wait, that's happening tomorrow, <laughs> wait a minute, wait, wait, that's actually gonna happen, shit! Well, you know, I mean, look, we're not gonna be here for the, the, when everyone realizes it's better to do it together than separately. That's the thing! That's the thing! I'll be long gone by the time Zephyrum Cochran, uh, rolls around and he, he's, he, with the help of the time traveling, uh, crew of the Starship Enterprise, is able to, to make his first fl uh, warp powered flight into space. Thus signaling the Vulcans that it's time to make first contact. Yeah, look, we definitely are not in like you know first contact category right now. We, no, we're it's not exactly there yet. The, it's definitely the opposite. The, the Vulcans are passing by, and they're here in uh, they're here in old Elon Musk talking about how he needs people to volunteer to be slaves on Mars. <laughs> Yep, and he's like, mm, this is illogical. They're, they're just like, oh, uh, yeah. They're just like, up. Oh. They're like, roll up your windows. Should we? This is a bad part of space. <laughs> Should we bombard them from orbit? Mm, let's come back in a couple hundred years. <laughs> we'll get gas at the next solar system. This place sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the pizza isn't even good here. I bet you the Klingons come down here, throw down though. Oh yeah, no, I think they would be very cool with what's uh, what's uh, kind of happening around here today. I think the Klingons would have a great time. But then, then again, you know, Star Trek uh, progressive in a lot of ways, uh, showing sort of nuanced civilizations with multifaceted points of view. Not really one of their strong suits. <laughs> They're like, we ran into aliens, and they're all this way. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. That kind of feels problematic in and of itself, doesn't that? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> all Vulcans are logical, and if they're not, they're a different race. <laughs> You're the Romulans. Yeah, they're either Romulans or mixed with human. <laughs> and they're like, uh, Klingons fight all the time, and they drink and eat blood. <laughs> This is love blood. I mean, Pretty metal, actually, but... Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, we do here. That's true. We, there's blood sausage. There's uh, blood I pudding. Don't, yeah, don't eat that, but people do. It it exists. I know it does. You can't, you can't escape a good English breakfast without it. Oh, yes. That's uh, what, what makes an English breakfast not so good. Uh, oh! Well, that's a, oh! That's a thing of, well, no, come on. Sure you can. 
you gotta give you gotta give them a little credit because that's the good thing about an English breakfast is you can just like you can pick and choose. You got a whole basically a whole buffet right in front of you, and you know what? Beans are in there, and I'm not. I'm a fan. You're a fan. You know they don't season them beans. They just I come mean, out the tin. That's right, but that's why. Yeah, you better have that salt and pepper on the table because I'm gonna do a little alchemy of my own to make that palatable. But you gotta give them choice. They they got a lot of choices there. I like, you know, when you get just two slices of tomato for no reason, bring it on. Great. Just tomato on there. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> two types of bread, fried, and then toast. Yes. I don't know what the difference is between that. I guess toast is the baked version of fried bread. Yeah, you got oh. it. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Whew. That's been kind of bugging me for a few years. Yeah, you got baked and fried bread. Mm-hmm. You got all the sausages you could want. You got, you got uh, uh, eggs. A rasher of bacon that doesn't look a like rasher. bacon. Yeah, exactly. It's rashers. Of, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep, yep. And then just a pile of mushrooms for some reason. Yeah, and that's where I, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of interesting stuff. You know, we go after our uh, our more colonial-minded neighbors a little bit, our little, our uh, royal uh, comrades uh, a little bit on this show. But you mm-hmm. know what? Mm-hmm. We gotta gotta t- gotta give credit where credit's due. It's a breakfast. That is, it is a breakfast. Can I tell you where I had the best English breakfast at? Um, England. Nope. Mm, Close, though. Well, I don't really have a second guess. You're just going to have to tell me, I think. South Africa. South Africa is where John had the best English breakfast. Okay. Well. There you go. All right. Yeah. There you go. Then followed by Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Well, how do you know my uncle? All right. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Give us a bumper. Get us out of here. Come on. Come on. Coming up on Pop Sunday. (laughs) You want to do this one? Okay, let's I wanted to try it, but I don't think I'm fast enough. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Yeah. Next on Pop Saga, space. (laughs) Well played. Well played. Uh, This is, uh, if anyone's really wondering behind the scenes of Pop Saga, this is what goes into every episode. There, just a little taste. Yeah. I wish they put that in their baked beans. Oh! <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I said it. <laughs> All right. Oh, God, I forgot I set that to loop. Oh, you can't. You, you set that to loop? How dare you? Yeah, of course, because I only had that one part. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Oh, man. Uh, open the door, get on the floor. Everybody walk the dinosaur right over to <laughs> the best Star Trek movie of all time. Yeah, that's that's not even, like, uh, a question, right? I mean, it isn't to me. I understand that, like, you know, we're getting on in years, and, of course, our opinions will fall by the wayside. But I just watched it again for this show. 
Mm-hmm. And the one of the reasons it's so good is one of the reasons that the movie Predator is so good is that it's like it's a snappy, cohesive story uh, that just flies by. It's paced brilliantly, and you and like it's not really overly ambitious in terms of scope. It's like a pretty intimate story, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just told masterfully. It is a great. It's like a great template for a movie you wish, or for a sci-fi movie that you wish that more people would copy. Yeah, I feel like it's great that they knew they had to apologize for Star Trek: The Motion Picture and just gave us this masterpiece. Oh man, that was such a weird. What a weird nosebleed of a altitude change it was going from Star Trek: The TV Show, that mm. was always had a little bit of camp, always had a little bit of humor, into mm. this totally bizarre humorless like super serious just straight-faced weird ass movie so boring so colorless too so i mean they even took the color out of the uniforms which is insane and just like gave them these bizarre beige jumpsuits yeah you're either beige or you were gray and you were on a, a a grayish ship. It was so boring and lifeless. And you look at everyone on the set, watching their faces. None of them look like they wanted to be there uh, at all. And then they do that. And then all of a sudden they're like, "Okay, okay, we're gonna fix this up. We got it. We got we got to zhuzh up the second one. We got we got to spice it up a little bit. We got to add a little a little pepper, a little salt." flavor and then we get Rathacon and it, take Rathic- it back to its roots for Jeebus sake yeah you know expand it a little bit give us a little bit more depth but bring us back to the Star Trek that we know and love and then you know also happen to set the precedent for every even Star Trek movie being the better of the movies with the exception mm-hmm. of Nemesis because Nemesis is terrible <laughs> oh no yeah i mean oof. I, you want to fight about we can fight about it but nemesis is a bad movie no i mean i don't think anyone i i mean i, I was, welcome the person who wants to come on pop saga and, and defend nemesis yeah. uh i don't think you're right <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i mean somebody out there has got to be like oh yeah nemesis you know the one where it's got Bane in it, and and Data dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert! It's also got a Dune buggy. Just what I want to see when I go to see the a movie about spaceships. There's like, yeah, but what if Captain Picard had a Dune buggy? Yeah, would he have too- like a hover thing? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, why bother? We we need to have him jump a chasm. Why? Because it's cool. It's what exactly what Picard would do. Is it? Yep. <laughs> Needs to be more like Star Trek, because that's the thing. Or that's the, Star Trek, I should say, needs to be more like Star Wars, because like that's the thing that people miss is all the Dune buggies in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> there was no Dune buggy. So shut up! I have the money, and I am the the, the CEO <laughs> of WB. Or I will be one day. Later. <laughs> Just you wait. I'm going to leave here after I'm done with making Star Trek way better with Dune Buggies. 
I'm gonna go and be the CEO of the WB. And I'm gonna cancel all the fun movies. <laughs> just, just leave it Shazam's. I love a Shazam. Yeah, I love saying it. Whenever I get a grilled cheese, I can go Shazam. This will be fun. And then like I say Shazam, I turn into a CEO of WB. As, as everyone can probably tell, we're not a little bitter about this. <laughs> no, I mean, we haven't really talked about it. But, uh, yeah, we're, all that movies, all that news coming out about uh, what's happening over the WWWB has just been really met with just open arms over here at Pop Saga HQ. We're just thrilled about all the dumb decisions that are being made. Yeah, quality choices made by quality people. At a quality time. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, Wrath of Khan! Mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan. Here's a fun little trivia about Wrath of Khan. Shoot. Wrath of Khan was originally called Star Trek colon The Genesis Project, which would have made sense. Yeah. Uh, then it was just changed to simply Star Trek Two, And okay. then... It also was called at one point Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, which would then be used, would be later used for another Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after that, they changed the title to The Vengeance of Khan. But then gotcha. they discarded that in deference to Star Wars Episode Six, Return of the Jedi which was then enti- subtitled Revenge of the Jedi. So they could have just kept the name, because little did they know George Lucas was going to pull a little pull the rug out from under them and change the name of his movie, and they were like, Lucas! Lucas! So do you think it would have been better to have it called The Genesis Project and then Khan be like a surprise for all the continuity fans back then? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That, that reveal would have been incredible if you were a fan of the show. If you had no idea. And then they somehow kept it under wraps with the trailers and they just showed the Genesis parts. I mean, shit. It, uh, spoilers, spoilers, trouble and boilers for uh, Wrath of Khan, a 40-year-old movie at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, like, they don't even meet each other. They, they, they don't even meet face to face. They meet uh, monitor to monitor. Um, so, like, yeah, they they could they could have kept that hidden. Yeah, that's a good point. You yeah, know, they, they could have could... just showed the Kirk parts and then just been like, "There's a lot of action and stuff," and then re- later revealed it's Khan. Yeah, that could have ma- been cool. Maybe give him a buried alive. You oh, know, there you go. You know, just <laughs> like at the end of it. But you know, they weren't making they they weren't making trailers with that much sizzle back in the day. So uh, I guess not. Um, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you end it with this is City Alpha Five? <laughs> City Alpha Five. <laughs> no, I would have ended it with Chekhov screaming because <laughs> he yeah. just he just screams in all these movies. Just have <laughs> just like oh damn, poor Chekhov. <laughs> They put creatures in our bodies. Coming summer. Um, (laughs) Ah, The wrath of Chekhov. (laughs) I I mean... That is a wrath uh, unrequited, unfortunately. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But, I mean, I don't know. 
I think the Genesis, like you said, I think the Genesis project is probably a little too on the nose, but yeah, then you would have had to have Phil Collins in it. Oh yeah. Just him drumming in space. Yep. (laughs) I can feel it in SETI Alpha 5. Oh yeah. (laughs) I I can feel it conning in the air tonight. Oh shit, we gotta write down this. We gotta. gotta (laughs) That's for you, Weird Al. Um, Also, thank you for listening. I'm going to at Weird Al for this so he'll listen and then give us a little plug. Done. Yep. Done. Done. I'm not going to do it, guys. That's my Weird Al thing. <laughs> well, now he's not going to do it because he just Damn impersonated it. him. God damn it. <sighs> I mean, I like uh, the Wrath of Khan. It is a little mouthy, but um, I'll take it. I mean, it's definitely better than the third one. Like, I feel like the third one was just like there, like... They were just like, well, what should, what, what's the next one about? We're searching for Spock. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, th- again, those are both titles that kind of give away the big sort of crux of the movie. It would have been nice if this one was called The Undiscovered Country or something, and the next one was called, uh, um, let's see, the next one was called Christopher Lloyd's Earthquake Planet, the movie. Oh, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, because in this movie, of course, uh, Kirk meets his sort of estranged, not sort of, a completely estranged son, David. And then the next movie, they kill him. <laughs> he gets punched to death by a Klingon behind a bush. It's <laughs> such an, an ignoble end for a character that was like, wow, this is going to be really interesting to see how Kirk sort of develops his relationship with his son. Nah, a Klingon's just going to... Punch him to death behind a bush. <laughs> no time for that. No and Kirk for... is just like, oh, eh. <laughs> I didn't really know him. I mean, Oslo, did you meet his son? Eh. It's okay. I mean, okay. his son, aside from um, a weird taste in sweaters that surely do not fit him, uh, you know, he was pretty. He was pretty cool. He went toe to toe with James, the legend James T. Kirk, and could not beat him, uh, despite being clearly two feet taller than him and yoked out of his mind. Well, I mean, you, you just can't beat Kirk. I mean, Kirk's got them chops, man. Not acting uh, yeah. those literal got, chops. Those chops. He's got, got, those, those chops he's got a real lazy elbow. <laughs> and a, uh, powerful though. Uh, oh powerful. yeah, yeah. He knows right where to hit you. He fought a Gorns, okay? Yep. He fought a Gorns and lived to s- tell the, the tale. Made a MacGyver cannon. <laughs> done and done. Yeah, he went about? up to Vasquez Rocks, and he, uh, he made a MacGyver cannon out of some bamboo that was there for some reason, and he got that Gorns. But that's, you know, what happens when you are on an alien planet. Sometimes you can just find stuff you need. Yeah. He's resilient. Damn James T. Kirk. Yeah. And, and now, that's... Go ahead. No, it's going to be, you know, now an admiral. Come on. Come on. Admiral. Kirk. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. Yeah, this is a... a f- the opening to this movie is fun because they... Um, I mean, they go a really long way to try to trick you into thinking the entire... Uh, like, uh, not the entire, but a lot of the Enterprise crew that you knew from the last movie dies in the opening five minutes. <laughs> 
because we've got it opens with Captain Kirstie Alley. Um, and, uh, she is, uh, leading, um, what, uh, you know, we know now, of course, the infamous Kobayashi Maru test, uh, any Star Trek fan worth their salt knows what that is. But, uh, at the time we're like, wait a minute, what is this new captain doing? Oh no! Sulu! Uhura! (laughs) Spock, you're all dead! (laughs) And then, of course, the screen opens, and it was a test the whole time. It's just a test. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Mm. You're in the 23rd century. This is, by the way, that starts off with that title card that says 23rd century. Before this movie, had not been established when the, the series actually took place. So this is the first time we have that confirmation of when it's actually set. And um, we... Uh, God, I forgot what I was saying. I was really wanted to get that. I really wanted to get that fact about the 21st century out. And, well, you did. Uh, Congratulations. Well, there. I mean, I, I accomplished my. I accomplished my goal. So I think that's. Uh, I, I I think that's fun. But um, they really do go try a long way to try to make you think that everyone died. And what was funny to me watching it this time, which I hadn't really thought of before, is how much acting people are doing. <laughs> Like, I can't imagine how weird and cringy it would be to be in this simulation, and then when things go wrong, your teachers are actually like, oh, <laughs> you, you killed me. I know. I, I know my old uh, acting teacher would have probably done that if he needed to be. Like, yeah. But- I've been stabbed. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, man, way to commit. But you weren't in a, you weren't in a military uh, academy taking some sort of a really important test, wasn't I? Mm, I don't think so. But uh, fair enough. You're, you, <laughs> okay, you got me on the line. Well, they put the scene in because, um, uh, uh, thinking that they were, uh, I think, in the trailer or something like that, uh, they put it in to make people think. Like Spock and them was dead or something like that. I forget so, the reason why they put it in they there. Just so spoiled it. They just spoiled the big twist of the movie. The, the horrible oh, sort of like no. emotional denouement. No, that was it. It was in the trailer, and people were outraged because they saw Spock die. Uh-oh. They didn't realize that it was just like no. It just they just they Not just now. tricked you. No, Not now. this is gonna happen later. Yeah. And then they're immediately going to ruin it. Same movie, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, a but, uh, oh, this is what I was going to say earlier. Okay, the good. sound design in the simulation is ridiculous. Like, they, the graphics are pretty cool. They just have, like, a pixelated version of the opening of the first movie because they had to cut so many corners of this movie to get it made because the budget was much lower, but... It's basically the opening of uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. They just kind of put a filter over it to make it look kind of video gamey. And then mm-hmm. when it shoots the torpedo, it's like, pew, boop, boop, <laughs> boop. And then it hits and a real fucking explosion goes off right in front of Chekhov. And you're like, oh, shit, it killed him. <laughs> that stupid sounding torpedo killed him. Uh, I do like, though, that they have... The front, the view screen opens up so the instructor can walk in very judgmentally, but also backlit in a super epic way. I mean, it's like, cue smoke. My light. Open doors. 
had me walk on in. Yeah, I like this. I like seeing this, this whole scene. And even, you know, like uh, it, Captain uh, Christy Alley, um, you know, kind of get upset over the fact that, uh, you know, she failed the Kobayashi Maru. And again, like you were saying earlier, everyone knows that's the kind of the whole point. It's more of a judge about a person and their character than it is actually about, um, you know, beating it. Yes, of course, this is uh, sh- foreshadowing for the whole movie, because they're saying, you know, S- Savick, a.k.a. Captain Kirstie Alley, was, uh, she just didn't feel like there was, that the test was fair, like the, there was no way to ace the test. And, of course, that is the, that's the point of the test, is that it is a no-win uh, situation. So it's to test how you react in a no-win situation. But of course, the instructor himself, James T. Kirk, does not accept no-win situations. And this entire movie is meant to be uh, a character growth for him and also an education in the fact that he is going to face his first no-win situation. Mm -hmm. And even though he thinks that he will have won, he will experience what it is like to make that impossible decision, even though... He doesn't actually have to make it. Somebody else makes it for him. And then, as you mentioned, the next movie over proves that he can indeed have his cake and eat it, too. And so it's all for nothing. I mean, shit, I felt like the end of this movie, they were just like, uh, let's leave ourselves a little open, uh, a, a little get out of trouble uh, space torpedo. Why don't we do that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Little, let's leave that on a planet. Oh, oh wait. Spoilers. Damn. I already <laughs> left the ghost. You'll, I mean, we're, everyone's seen this movie's 40 years old already. We can jump around. It's fine. Uh, but uh, it opens with that scene. And that's, that is very, uh, that is super interesting because uh, I just love the architecture in Starfleet Command in, in this movie. This the sort of '70s futurism, you know, late '70s, early '80s futurism that is on display here is just absolutely fantastic from an aesthetic standpoint. I mean, almost every set in this movie I just adore. Now, a lot of it are a lot of them are sets from the first Star Trek. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, the um, the scientific outpost where Car- we find uh, Carol is a uh, the, uh, is a set from S- Star Trek uh, the motion picture just turned upside down. So that's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and they repurposed a lot of the star the Enterprise bridge from the that first movie in several scenes. It's the uh, it's the bridge of the Kobayashi Maru test. And uh, it is also, I believe, the bridge of the Reliant, but it is, or it is just kind of uh, just dressed differently in those occasions. I mean, very fitting for the show itself. Repurposing sets, reusing, you know, sometimes if you look in the background, you'll see different background actors playing different roles. And hell, I think even certain actors play different roles just in different makeup for the show so it seemed pretty fitting to be able to do that with this one as well well that's what they always say on star trek they say if you played a character on star trek you can play another character on star trek we'll just put you into makeup i'm for and it. everybody does yeah i i'm for it i mean i also kind of like 
this that we're seeing a mature you know uh enterprise crew kind of where they ended up and the fact that you know uh captain kirk now admiral kirk is kind of taken like you know a, you know a more leadership role and less exploration role more teacher less uh you know just it wild-eyed crazy adventurer with wanderlust of some sort instead he's you know judging cadets i guess or lieutenant i think i think with lieutenant savick or whatever really but uh lieutenant christy alley uh yeah. but he said uh, he is an admiral and a teacher now and he has left his sort of uh, swashbuckling captainhood behind and this movie's a lot about g- the coming to terms with getting older and the limitations of your own body and also the limitations of your sort of youthful philosophy being being face to face and sort of confronted with death in a way that is uh is more real and tangible and affecting to you know and deeply affecting on a person to person level and not um, sort of a third person level because you know Kirk has has been in life or death situations before, but it's always been something a that he's come out on top on, and b like you know if a colony of people are being attacked by the Klingons and they're dying, they die, and then he <laughs> comes in and fixes some stuff and saves the day and leaves, but he's never faced just a situation he couldn't sort of think his way out of, and this is that's this is what this whole movie is about, and it's also about his the sort of cavalier decisions that that brought him so much fame really coming back to bite him. It's one of the things that I, th- I really enjoy about this movie, and I think it makes it unique in the sort of TV-to-movie adaptations we've seen in the past. Very rarely has a sequel to a movie adaptation of a TV series been a direct sequel to an episode of the original TV series. Well, I mean, you pick somebody like Khan, and it's easy to see why you'd want to bring him back. Not only, you know, Ricardo Montalban being at the height of his fame with Fantasy Island during this. He's just such a compelling villain. Yeah, he was, and he's so good at selling Corinthian leather in cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And fake plastic chest. Um, (laughs) Rich Corinthian leather. You know, and the fact that it's just kind of like, if you want two people who can eat scenery, you have them there, right? You have them. Right. You have it, who you else know. can match? Uh, yeah. Who else Shatter. can match William Shatner? Yeah. Yeah. You know, no. Let's get let's get fucking Fantasy Island, dude, because he's gonna he's gonna eat too. These two are on a scenery eating buffet tour, and <laughs> and and no plate was left unfinished. No. Yes, and and no background was left unchewed. You can see some in some of the scenes. You can see both of their <laughs> their bite marks on some of the foam rocks in the background. I'm gonna chew more scenery than you. No, Kirk. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I I mean Ricardo Montalban though is even though he is like very arch and heightened. Uh, he puts in just an, an incredible performance. And especially when you see him on the original Space Seed. Have you ever watched Space Seed, the movie, the, the uh, episode? episode that this is a, a sequel to? Yeah, many moons ago. But, he, man, he was a good-looking man on that. 
Oh yeah, but just like in terrible like like bronzer face and like with the you know what the one thing they did keep from his costume in the TV series to the this movie is like the how he wears like a vest with no shirt on. <laughs> well, I mean, shit, he was left on SETI Alpha Prime <laughs> with all that stuff. He didn't have that many clothes, I guess. You know, he just like. <laughs> I got a shot. My bitches. the Alpha Five. Yeah. Um, oh, but I mean, I love, like, it's such a weird, t- you know, Space Seed is such a weird episode. Uh, not just because it's just like, hey, we found this, like, this dude and a bunch of other people, like, cryogenically frozen in space. You thaw them, and they're from the 90s, which must have been wild. They're from 1996, I think. Right? And they they were banished due to the eugenics war because him and a bunch of other people are, like, genetically modified. Like yeah, super so strong, super intelligent, and that was outlawed. And he used to be like a prince that ruled half the earth. And all of a sudden they're like, no, we got to get this plastic chest dude off of here. Sent him out. It's such a crazy, like, episode um, to bring him back because he was kind of a foil for Kirk. Kirk had pity on him, but his pity was like, well, we're going to leave you on this city Alpha Prime and you can form your own society later. You know, we're not going to space you, which I probably would have done. Been like, oh, yeah. oh, we, we, uh, we, um, we ported them into the vacuum of space instead of on the planet. My bad. Anyway, let's go. Um, right. Yeah. And it was, but at the, when he did it in Space Seed, it was, the, he gave him a chance because he left them with like their cargo containers full of supplies on a planet that had vegetation, that had life, was totally habitable. Mm-hmm. SETI Alpha 5. But then SETI Alpha 6 explode. And that knocked them out of their uh, that knocked them out of their orbit, and then SETI Alpha Five got real bad. Yeah, it turned it turned to Arrakis. Yes, it turned to Arrakis, yeah, yeah. complete with eels, the uh, SETI eels that I guess weren't there before. I'm gonna give Kirk the uh, benefit of the doubt. It's uh, maybe that was something they like, kind of came out of hibernation or something because those things seem uh, a real bad. Or maybe it was one of those, the eels are buried deep within the yeah. planet's core, never meeting anybody. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it gets a, <laughs> the poles get misaligned, it's thrown off axis, axis it turns into Arrakis, and then, you know, everyone walked with rhythm, tracked the worm. That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, they had too much rhythm in the rock, and here come the... Uh... Here come the old eels, the SETI eels, and of course they kill a bunch of Khan's people. And, Including uh, his wife. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, so he's got a bone to pick with Kirk, and uh, his motivation seems sound. Mm-hmm. Of course, as you mentioned before, uh, check off the, o- the uh, Chief O'Brien of this time frame, of this era of Star Trek. Uh, and always must suffer in every movie. And and, and he, uh, as the first officer of the uh, USS Reliant, the first, and that is, again, the first uh, appearance of the Miranda-class starship, one love of my it. personal favorites. Yep, love it. Yeah, just a great it's... starship design. And a, 
a cool like looking sort of uh, counterpoint to the Enterprise. It looks like it could go toe to toe with that well, class of the Enterprise. I mean, it was designed with the fact that they knew that both of these ships were going to be on the screen at the same time, so they needed people to know exactly which one was which, and yeah. not to confuse them. But it's I love it. I think the Miranda class is probably one of my favorite like Starfleet ships ever. I yeah. was I was kind of nerding out because my brother-in-law was watching a little bit of this with me. I think he watched most of it <laughs> to a point where he was like, oh, I'm going to go over here for a while. <laughs> I was like, you're waiting for the best part. The eels are going to go into his ear and it's going to look really fake because it's going to be a yeah. giant ass eel. It's going to be insane. You got to watch it. Um, but I was sitting there going, yeah, you know what that ship is? It's Miranda class. And I was like, and then I think the Enterprise is Consta Constitution class, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, look right. it up. I'm not going to the phone. Look it up. And he looked up. He's like, it is. I was like, yes, I still remember. You still got it. I still yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was just cool to uh, to see it. But of course, as you mentioned, uh, Chekhov is, is uh, the one to go down to the planet. And then I do love the part where he realizes it's SETI Alpha 5. And uh, that's when he sees the little in insignia from the Botany Bay. Botany Bay. And uh, he remembers that episode of Star Trek, even though, uh, fun little <laughs> trivia, that's not, he was not on that episode of Star Trek. He didn't join the show until, like, the episode after. And so it's a little bit of a oopsie, but uh, people uh, explain it away by saying, oh, he was probably on the ship somewhere else off camera. I think they wrote it in the novelization to also <laughs> okay. say that he was in, he was in engineering when that happened. <laughs> I mean, you gotta come up with something because it mean, kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, with Trekkies, you you better get your continuity straight. Like, I mean, they'll let you. I, I never forget a face. Uh, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> yeah, because you've never seen this one. I would have preferred if he's like, ah, Mister McCoy. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. he, just, he just needs bifocals. Yeah, finally, his enhanced genes aren't helping him out. Yeah, maybe that's, like, the kind of uh, connection that he and Kirk have. Because there's a lot made with, like, Kirk's, like, he's allergic to the eye-curing serum, so <laughs> yeah, he needs reading glasses. Welcome to the 23rd century, where that's, your choices are either a drug that some people are allergic to to fix your eyes, or just plain old reading glasses you got at the drugstore. <laughs> you, you think they could literally fix that? They could be like, well, nah. let's just, yeah, this is what everyone's allergic to. Let's just take it out, and it'll still work. Nope. Bifocals or the drug works. You get two options. <laughs> you got the two, and that's it. Yeah, he. Uh, that would be funny if they both had <laughs> reading glasses. <laughs> Just like their fifth place. What does it say? What are the instructions of the Genesis machine? Um, do not store in transporter room. Yeah, don't activate from the bridge somehow. <laughs> Yeah, do not remote start. Remote start the Genesis device. Okay, now soliloquy here. <laughs> Make sure all your half, the half of your face just looks like a pizza with the cheese taken off. <laughs> you, you get your soliloquy. Yeah, like but like a store-bought pizza, not even like a real pizza. Just oh, like, no, oh. that's that's a red baron face if I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like, oh, man, you burnt it. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of his face slid off a little bit, but he'll he'll have his he'll have his day. And nope, never mind. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, poor Chekhov and Paul Winfield, because uh, I don't remember his character's name. Oh, Terrell, uh, Captain Terrell. <laughs> uh, right, Captain Terrell. Uh, Captain Terrell, total badass. Later yeah. in the movie, he is being, you know, uh, spoiler alert, but they both get seti eels in their ears. And, of course, apparently this makes them very susceptible to suggestion, but only by one guy? Like, you would think they would just be doing whatever anyone told them to do. But uh, these eels have a, have a sense for plot and, and uh, definitely are... Um, uh, behaving in a way that doesn't really make sense based on what they, you know, kind of how they're described, but it's fine. Uh, but they uh, they definitely do get mind-controlled, and the he does... The thing is, though, about Captain Tyrell is that he does take himself out. He does resist the mind-control when it really matters, and he, instead of killing James T. Kirk, he zaps himself with the ray, set to, like... Just it, disappear a guy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when did that setting get added to like the Federation phasers? Yep. That's the setting where it's like, I need to, I need to cover up a crime, and nothing can be left. Yeah, I don't have client. I don't have time to clean the scene. Boot. It's two clicks past kill. Don't ask what the. Here's the thing, from. though. In you know, in Star Trek: Next Generation. They show that a couple times, and sometimes they show it just like removing the skin and then the removing like the gore and skeleton next. So it's like I don't know what how phaser technology kind of you know went down the tubes in the next generation uh, uh, version of the continuity, but man, they, it went from like just just dis- turn a guy into a screaming ghost. Uh, they went from that into just full on. D- the, you know, bodies exhibit at the museum, <laughs> just peeling away different layers of viscera until there's nothing left. They were like, you know what? We got to make it hurt a little bit. So let's strip their skin before we disintegrate them. We've learned yeah. from the Klingons. We've learned. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is part of our, you know, cultural exchange. Uh, we get Worf and also our phases go, you good. They make they they body whore you real bad before you disappear. Hey, are you a kid and you're watching this right before you go to bed? Good luck sleeping ever again, fucker. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, it's true. so true. Uh, but yeah, it's when you know once Khan gets the control of the USS Reliant, then this movie really t- kicks into high gear, and yeah. it really doesn't let off the the gas, you know, because Kirk is out there, he's uh, observing on like a, the 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 maiden voyage of the refit Enterprise, he's observing this uh, rookie crew mm-hmm. uh, made up of Starfleet cadets, and uh, Spock is there, of course, as their instructor. But once the shit goes starts going down, um, and he gets a call from his old flame Carol that uh, somebody's trying to take the Genesis device. Uh, then Spock's like, hey, man, just go ahead and take over. I can tell you wanna. You've been eyeing, you've been just, like, licking your lips and eyeing the captain's chair this entire time. Mm-hmm. I can tell you wanna be captain again, so just go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't have left in the first place, but... And he's uh, like, he, he makes a real show of it. He's like, oh, no, I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't possibly. No, 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 it's your ship. <laughs> As he's pushing him out of the sea. Yep. He's actually. already sitting. He's already sitting in the chair. I couldn't take over. I and you know readjusting all the settings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Beep boop boop boop. Oh, Spock, I couldn't uh, possibly imagine. Uh, full steam ahead, or whatever I say. <laughs> I forget. Admiral <laughs> life for me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, then we get... It's funny, because um, then we get the... What happens next? He, he starts heading over towards that way, because his old girlfriend hit him up. And then, yeah, and they just run into the Reliant, just kind of floating in space. And he's like, this is weird. They're not answering any of my hails. Let's get real close. Yeah, instead <laughs> of uh, following procedure, like, uh, you know, uh, Savick was saying, uh, Christy Alley, instead mm -hmm. of following procedures, um, he was like, nah, they're good. I know Chekhov. Yeah, <laughs> he's cool. He's on that ship, right? Anyway, let's not raise our shields. Sir, they're raising our, their shields. Hmm, that's weird. And then, of course, uh, they get uh, Pizza Hut pizzoned pretty, pretty hardcore. Yes, they do. Khan's uh, yes, got uh, the upper hand. He, you know, he really did. As Kirk says later, he caught him with his trousers down. Mm -hmm. You know, and Kirk, that's often. Yeah, and then Scotty's nephew dies. <laughs> oh, but how he... I mean, not only how he died... But then what Scotty did afterwards, holy carrying shit. Carrying him? Carrying him into the bridge. I just like, keep that dude down there. You don't need to be. <laughs> he stayed at this post. Just holding him like the the crisis of infinite earth Superman holding Supergirl. And she's dead that pose. Like, I mean, also, Scotty kind of yoked and strong. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. He's definitely, you know, he may be lacking a middle finger, but he, uh. He that he's that extra finger muscle has just gone into those sweet biceps. Yeah, those pythons are strong because I tell you, <laughs> I can't even hold Batman here for like five minutes before I'm like, dude, you too heavy. Oh <laughs> yeah. Have you mad. ever have you ever seen me carry a ten pound bag of rice up the stairs? <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, I'm winded. It's over. Do you think? He, he probably had to take the turbo lift to get to the to where he you know was carrying uh the his downed you know engineer nephew or whatever. Do you think like he, there was just like a point where he was in the like by himself in the the turbo lift? Mm -hmm. Just like do 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 do. I mean they're doo, doo. totally because they're fast, but they're not like that fast. Are you taking me to sick bay? No, laddie. I gotta do some sort of uh, performative <laughs> thing to make a captain feel bad. Sort of. You whatever feel whatever you say, Uncle, I trust you. But if I went to the sick bay, would I live? Probably, son. I mean, but we're almost there. Best not to think of it, laddie. <laughs> like You're basically a prop in my feel bad campaign. Look! And then he's like, I'm not dead. Shut up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he just holds his, his hand over his mouth. And blows. <laughs> he just snuffed him out. Uh, Scotty, I think he might be still alive. Don't be ridiculous, Captain. It's the, it's the radiation. I'm still alive. I wasn't even that bad. He just puts his whole hand in his mouth. Sleep. <laughs> Captain, let's bridge. skip the formalities and just shoot about the torpedo tube right now. <laughs> yeah, that got dark. Yeah, well. Mm, I'm for it. It's even darker as his, his uh, brother gave him a big hug when he found out. Thank you. Finally. Like, he's I, such a, I hated that kid. He's such a disappointment. I, yes, I know he was 25. Still hated him. 
Um, I also know he went to space to fry. It's okay. <laughs> There's no space to fry. <laughs> yeah, he went to space. Space Scotty's Engineering Academy. It's the only for-profit school in the entire world. <laughs> Money doesn't even exist anymore, but I'm still charging. <laughs> they I... said they've eliminated debt, and I say it's something that needs to change. Yeah. I'll make them debt one way or the other. Debt or debt? <laughs> yes. What's that over there? <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he, yeah, after Scotty murders his, <laughs> his nephew. Uh, I think it's his nephew. Anyway, he, uh, a, yeah. he, there's a great scene where Kirk just stalls for time. He uses the glasses as a great prop, uh, and, and definitely has, He's definitely like, oh, oh what, what do you want, Khan? And Khan's like, oh, hey, well, you know, I've got you dead to rights, so just give me all the information you got on the Genesis project, and we'll be good to go. And Kirk's like, oh, okay, I'll send it over to you. And he's he like, just... Kirk, come on, where's that stuff? And he's like, oh, it's coming, don't worry. Well, he <laughs> it takes me like... a long time to type. It sounds like me exactly at work. One minute, hold on. I'll, I'll get it. I'm, I'm looking it up now. I'm typing it. <laughs> I I do love this though. The fact that it's like, great. Yeah, it's because you're seeing the you're you're literally seeing like where Khan is just super smart, you know, and Spock. Any chance he gets to say it, he's like, yeah, he is intelligent. But you know, you can also see how ruthless and cunning um, Kirk is, and just like yeah, they they figure out that they can actually deactivate their. Uh, 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 deflector shields from their end because they uh, were able to kind of get into the system. Yeah, every uh, ship has its has a just like a five-digit code <laughs> that you could just type in and take over any of their consoles. And so under the guise of sending him the, the information that Khan asked for, instead he ends, sends him a signal to drop the shields. And then uh, the Enterprise is able to get a couple licks in and both ships kind of retreat to to lick their wounds, so to speak. And uh, with uh, <clears throat> with the uh, Enterprise checking out Regulus One, right? Is that the name of the space space station? Yep, yep. Um, and uh, and uh, the Reliant sort of uh, repairing their stuff, but. Uh, pretty gnarly when they beam down to the the space station and they find like the crew of the space station just like strung up and tortured and dismembered pretty gnarly yeah real bloody like so this this i feel like maybe was probably like an overcorrection from the first movie where nothing happened (laughs) they're like we're gonna have blood and gore and you know like everything in between that you normally wouldn't get in a star trek movie we're gonna have it and yeah, seeing the people strung up and then finding Chekhov and um, Paul Winfield crammed in a box. <laughs> what is it, Captain? Captain Teflon. Captain... Terrell. 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 Yeah. There you go. Captain Terrell. You know, them them being found and then, you know, Chekhov having the wherewithal. They're like, they put things in our ears. 
I don't know why he went Scotty with that, but uh, I can do a check yeah. off, but it's probably too good. So we're just going <laughs> yeah, so, to so, hold it. We're just, just going to, yeah, you don't, you don't need to hear that good, good check off that everyone knows Jaga do. Yeah. Uh, I get asked it all the time. Really. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sick of it. it. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm tired of hearing myself. I, I keep going. Is Walter Koning in my room? No, it's just me. That's how eerily good it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, what's funny is when we were watching when I or I should say when I was watching this movie, it's funny because we we did this sort of ostensibly because it was a tribute to Nichelle Nichols. She is kind of underutilized in this movie, though. A hundred percent. Well, I did I mean, not realize until watching it. She's sort of underutilized in favor of Savick. Yeah, and isn't. Wasn't Savick recasted? Yeah, Savick uh, was recast, and I think they were it gonna... may or may not be a different character when they recast it. But it's uh, it's Kim Cattrall in the the next time she shows up. No, so Savick shows in shows up in the search for Spock, and that is Robin Curtis. The third time Savick was going to show up was Kim Cattrall, but she was like, I don't want to play this character because you've had two people play it already. So then she played another uh, Vulcan. Right, which was a huge, like, would have been a great character moment, but the betrayal that, that ends up happening in that movie would have meant a lot more had it been Savick. But yeah, it just kind of it like... Weren't. Eh. Yeah, like yeah, but it's crazy that the, this was like this. This is the new hotness. Everybody, we're gonna get this. And then Chris Alley was like, "Well, later, I'm doing Cheers or something. I can't do this again, even though right. I wanted to do it later. Goodbye, boop." Um. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, it was a very under underutilized Uhura. But to be fair, it was uh, Sulu. You know, Sulu's barely in it. Um. Chekhov's only in it to be tortured. Yeah, to hold a cloth over his ear for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think space cloth or you know space Q-tips or whatever. No, um, don't have that, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I I really like this part, even though the blood did jump me out. Like, like it, it weirded me out because I kind of must have just pushed it from my brain. You know, I remember the ear thing. And I was like, "Ooh, that's kind of gross." But I didn't remember yeah. those bodies just being strung up all of the predator. You know, those city, those seti eels really fucked me up as a kid. I was convinced, like, when I'm sleeping, there's gonna be a seti eel that's gonna crawl into my goddamn ear canal yeah. and eventually make me betray everyone I care about, and uh, and then uh, you know turn the phaser on myself. But uh, it was that was such a scary image. It is so ridiculous now. It's so funny, like the things that used to because of the how effects have advanced. Thinking about the things that used to really make uh, me frightened. <laughs> I mean, shit. Of course. I mean, when you see the big checkoff ear, it looks like it's out of Double Dare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's just a giant ear. The little eel comes pouring out of it. It's all gross. Uh, yeah. And back then, you're like, oh my god, it's coming out of his ear. But you know, realistically, this ear was like nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Someone was in like For a real. worm body suit. So just yeah. up full of Vaseline. So it's like, what, 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 what? Yeah, just uh, 
just just uh, slither it around on the floor. But yeah, that was a it was a pretty cool sort of like haunted house. There, you know, uh, grisly discovery. Um, and then they sort of uh, they figure out that the transporter has been activated one last time, but it's right in the middle of this asteroid or this rocky planetoid that they that uh, the the space station is orbiting around. And uh, they think to themselves, uh, I think this is when Kirk formulates the plan that, that indeed um, uh, there might be someone down there. And he calls back to the Enterprise, and, and he's given away all this very um, crucial information. And then we find out Khan is listening to the whole thing. And at, at the moment, you're like, oh, no, Kirk. Kirk, you don't realize he's listening to the whole damn thing. But the truth is that he has, uh, you know, he he has assumed that he is being listened into. So a lot of this information is false. Yeah, it's coded. Carefully coded over the years of them being together. Yes, they, yeah. uh, him and Spock speak a sort of uh, unwritten or unspoken language, so to speak. And uh, they are able to communicate back and forth in a way that is uh, that fools Khan. And uh, even though Khan thinks he's got the upper hand, because even because Kirk and uh, is okay with bringing um, uh, Captain Terrell and um, uh, Chekhov along, even though they Chekhov told him, "Hey, we've got we've got mind controlling worms in our ears." And forget like, the fact that McCoy is right there and probably has like a tricorder or something could be like, yeah, can't confirm. Yep, yeah, these guys are uh, these guys are totally fucked. They're gonna turn on us at the the moment it seems most inconvenient, and because that's exactly what they do. Once they transport down inside of the asteroid, uh, you know, we got Captain Tyrell and uh, and Chekhov. They pull weapons on uh, the good guys, mm-hmm. and. Uh, mm-hmm. But then this is the when we spoke about this earlier. This is the moment where Terrell shows his medal. He you know he calls up to Khan on his super cool iWatch watch that has the uh, that has the five G functionality. His Let's Apple be fair, Watch. It's probably an Android watch for as big as it is. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the early ones. Looks like. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, he calls up to the very rustic sort of prototype watch that uh, Khan is wearing, and he's like, "Hey, Your Excellency, we've got him. You've got the the, you've got the um, the coordinates to the Genesis device." And Khan's like, "Okay, yeah, we'll kill him, and we'll get on our way." And of course, that's when Tyrell's like, "No, no, I don't want to." And then he uh, he turns the phaser on himself, and then like uh, he as he disintegrates, you can hear the scream of the SETI eel. <laughs> At the same time. And apparently, I guess that also deactivates Chekhov's set of eel. Or Chekhov was also fighting with that in the same regards. And instead of, uh, you know, turning the phaser on himself, just screams himself into unconsciousness. Yeah, he just goes, ow, and then falls down. And I bet, like, the ghost of uh, Captain Tyrell's like, what? That was an option? Oh, man, I really kind of jumped the gun quite literally. <laughs> I should have taken just a moment to think about this. Seriously. But, I mean, then we're getting probably the one of the most iconic parts of the whole movie. <laughs> well, yeah. It's I, iconic, I, I, maybe. I love certainly, it. I love uh, it. I don't care. It's so cheesy. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's the one that is, like, I think probably everyone associates with this movie. 
it's the the zoom out bird flying out away from a tree moment except it's in space i love it that's how angry he is he can be heard in the vacuum of space god yeah i don't know (laughs) it's not my favorite part of the movie but what you talk about khan thinks he's won even though like every time he tries to kill kirk he tries to get someone else to do it you know and this was really the reason why they were never in the same room was because he was filming fantasy island that was such a hot hit that like you know he had to work around that schedule but they have (laughs) him be like you know kirk is like you gotta kill me man like you come on down come down here you you're gonna have to come down here to get me and then Khan just like taunting him with like i've done far worse than kill you i've hurt you i'm gonna keep hurting you i'm gonna leave you as you left me as you left her, his wife, who was the old Starfleet agent or uh, Starfleet uh, member who betrayed them in uh, Space Seed. And then, you know, he's like, you're to be buried alive. Buried alive. And he just whispers that. And then that, God, I love it. I got it. You have no idea. Sometimes I just have to watch that scene. Just but because why does I, he say he's going to be buried alive? Because he's leaving him in the center of a dead planet. Okay, I, I guess if he dies down there, he's technically buried. Yeah, he's not going to get out. He thinks he's, you know, uh, destroyed the, or at least messed the Enterprise up, and he's going to hang around to destroy it. So he's I guess, like, I guess he's like, you think you're going to die in a cave is not, doesn't have quite the same punch as being yeah, yeah. buried here, alive. Here, here, hold on. You're going to die in a cave. Okay, that you know what? You're gonna Actually, die in a cave. I, I, I take it back. That's pretty fucked up. If somebody just said to me, you're going to die in a cave, apropos of nothing, I think I would be like, oh, fuck. Okay, I'm going to do my best con here. Maroon for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. (laughs) Buried alive. (laughs) Okay. It's, you know what? Just like my long drink was a a stretch. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, too. Nah, I dig it. I dig it. It's because it just seems like it, it... shows Khan's character and i love this screen because it is it is like you know it's almost like you've ordered food from like a delivery service and they forgot like your you know your ranch and you know you you, you bought chicken tenders and you wanted ranch you don't got anything to dip these dry ass tenders in you need that sauce and you're like ranch <laughs> so ranch this is the and same so you're thing. saying this is <laughs> this is you when you order from Buffalo Wild Wings, they forget the ranch. No, I mean Buffalo uh, wing Wild Wings. Yeah. <laughs> Wild Wings. <laughs> Wild Wings. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Oh God, I, I love it so much. It's because it's so absurd. I always think it happens later in the film, though. I totally forget there's a third act. Like I think yeah. this is the third act, and they're like, mm mm mm. You got one more to go through because you got to do space hunt for Red October next. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you got to go. You got to do space run, silent run, deep. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's an iconic scene. He's stuck down there. Khan is. He believes he's all but the victor at this point. Yeah, he's stuck down there. Little does Khan know he has a cave full of vegetation and a, basically a paradise. <laughs> that they only really explore as far as like a uh, a, a small kind of uh, uh, clearing right outside the cave. 
they're like, oh, this is beautiful. I don't mean, let's. we can check it out later. It's planned. <laughs> we don't want to go any further. What do it's, you mean? I mean, is it because it's just a matte painting? <laughs> we can't walk over there. Or we'll fall through it. There is I, one. There's like, I mean, this is just like the fact that we have like 4K televisions and, and stuff now. But there was definitely one part of that matte painting where it, they had a waterfall and it was just not moving. <laughs> it was just a painted waterfall. And I'm like, you got to do something with that. You can't just show us still a waterfall. That's like, uh, that's, that's effects 101. Yeah, I shook my head back and forth. I was just like, eh, it looks like it's moving to me. <laughs> yep, you just like nodded. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's flowing yeah. water. Yeah, it's perfect. And then when they do show a, a waterfall, it's just like that. You know, have you ever been to a Chinese restaurant and they have one of those pictures of a waterfall? It looks like mm-hmm, the water mm-hmm. is, I mean, it doesn't really look like the water's moving, but you can tell that's the intention. Yeah, it's got uh, like that. There's something behind it that kind of gives light it that. Just got- I yeah, mean, granted, kind of this is 1980, 1981 or whatever. I mean, yeah. it, when they made it, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, the, these are older, you know, and the budget was not exactly generous. So this is kind of not being fair to them, but it was very funny. We were like, the Genesis came. And it's like, oh, here's well, a painting. Well, it's like the Genesis cave. Apples? Sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, got if, the, it's got more pears than you can shake a stick. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, uh, I don't think we explained what the Genesis device is for the people who maybe never seen it. It's what? Oh God! If you've never seen it and this is your only exposure to it, God, I'm sorry. You must I mean, be it, so confused. I mean, I think we're doing a, a, a commendable job, but uh, <laughs> but it is literally a device that could jumpstart. It can create life. It can create a planet. It's it's named after the uh, the act of you know God creating quote unquote creating Earth in six days. Yes, um, it's it, the idea. It takes matter and it creates a matrix where it reorganizes matter into a form that has potential for life. After that, the any sort of life that happens grows at an accelerated pace. And then I guess it stops after a while. <laughs> yeah, it finds a point, and it's like, we good now. But if you happen to be there alive, buried, or otherwise, and you get hit by this thing, you're going to get rewritten. So you'll yep. cease to exist. Which it does, doesn't, like, it, it's, it matters matter to it. It doesn't uh, It doesn't discriminate against uh, yeah, but you know, you, you living know. matter, dead matter. It's going to be rewritten, yeah, you're, reorganized. You're, you're not going to come back as you with a better back. You, well, you, you, you might. Well, you except might. in one case, it depends. If anyway. you died beforehand and you get deposited there right when it happens, or I guess right after it happens, right after it gonna, happens, a, a freshly you're baked still planet. G to G. <laughs> They're going to uh, shoot you right into Golden Gate Park and put a couple ferns in there, and then you'll wake up right as rain. Yeah, but it's cool because it does kind of bring up this. Uh, you know, quandary between should we, are we ready for this? Like, you know, well, that's, a, that's what bones is always saying. Cause he's just like a, a total bummer at all times. Yeah. But he's not wrong or, you know, and Spock isn't wrong either. Like it's built on good intentions, but I like that. That was, it wasn't just glossed over like, yep, this is a thing now. And everyone's just like, yeah, that's cool. You know, it's top secret. It's being funded, but. You know, not everyone's made aware, so I do like that quandary. But anyway, uh, matte painting, Genesis Cave. 
uh, mm-hmm. with yeah. pears and um, beautiful matte painting. Uh, by the way, don't want to malign it, but it is just like that whole practice is funny because sometimes they forget to to paint just a little bit of moving stuff in there. Uh, add a couple just just a little bit of effect to make us believe it, but you know at the time it was really really impressive. But that's when they reveal, hey, guess what? The Enterprise, that whole little coded thing uh, earlier was an exaggeration. The Enterprise is gonna it's got partial you know power restored. In minutes, not hours, uh, or hours, not days, I should say. And so then they have minutes instead of hours, <laughs> whatever the fuck he says. But uh, uh, they're able to get the, the heck out of there and back onto the Enterprise. And uh, this is where the uh, the real cat and mouse game begins. And it turns into basically the best space submarine movie you've ever seen. Although Star Trek goes back to the space submarine well a lot. Yes, very much so. Yeah, Deep Space Nine maybe having the best, the other, the best TV incarnation of that theme, um, with the Defiant versus the Jem uh, Hadar, but uh, uh, just a just a fantastic sequence because, uh, you know, the Khan's uh, little toadies that he has around him all over the place, they um. They got their head on their shoulders, you know? <laughs> they're not consumed by some sort of revenge rage. And so when they're going into that nebula, uh, they're, uh, the, the guy at the at the con, uh, the con <laughs> con's guy at the con, mm-hmm. is, like, uh, is like, yeah, we shouldn't go in there. And we'll, di- we'll disable our shields and we'll basically be on equal footing with the Enterprise, even though outside of the nebula, they can outrun them and outgun them. And uh, Khan is just like, oh, no, <laughs> and pushes the guy out of the way and just like jams on the accelerator. And uh, like what happens next is just like 20 minutes of, of James T. Kirk being very self-satisfied until he realizes what happened. Oh, no. I So, yeah, like that's why I called it Space Hunt for Red October for me. Because it is just them kind of prowling around and then watching Khan be like, raise the deflector shields. And the good dude is just like, just like I thought, they're not working. <laughs> you yep. know, like, and guess what? They don't work, you ding dong. Yeah. And uh, one thing that Spock points out is that, hey, this person may be smart, but they're inexperienced and they're only thinking about things on a 2D plane. Yep. Which, again, if you were really smart, I don't know if this would happen, but either way, it's a, an opening for them. And that allows them to just be like, okay, let's go under them and come up behind them from the back. Space! And then uh, we'll just wait for our uh, viewfinder to clear up just a little bit. And then shoot it now. Shoot Here's it the now. Maybe they need to get, like, a little bit of uh, submarine technology up in a spaceship then. If, like, you have to rely on a screen coming back, maybe just, like, you well, know. like a periscope? No, dude. The, the, Sonar? Just be like, yeah, exactly. Be like, oh, <laughs> Sulu, one ping only. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> things, fa- things in here don't react kindly to phases. Did you see Paul Winfield? <laughs> <laughs> he disintegrated. We didn't even know we had that shit. <laughs> exactly. It's, so they, it's, it's they don't have anything like that. They don't have no pings, nothing like that. They're like, let's just wait till he pops up on the old Vidya screen, 
and uh, we'll shoot him with some torpedoes, and boy, howdy, do they. Uh, I love that scene, just like Kirk being like, fire, 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 <laughs> just, <laughs> just burning through. Uh, but and so they like they really just destroy the crap out of uh, Khan's ship, and everyone goes flying, and uh, they're all dead. Basically, all of Khan's people are dead. And uh, as we mentioned before, Khan's got a bad case of Red Baron face. <laughs> yeah, real bad. Like like left in there a good ten minutes too long. Bad. That's how oh, yeah. bad his face oh, is. Yeah. You feel that burnt cheese off the top, hoping that there's some sort of salvageable foodstuffs underneath, and boy, mm-hmm. are you in for a world of disappointment. Just yeah. Ricardo Montalban there with <laughs> half of his face burnt off. Just charred and crunchy and quoting uh, Moby Dick, you know? Yep. <laughs> Fucking Horatio Hornblower over here. Uh, just like, also... You were mentioning earlier how the you know him and Shatner really chew the scenery. Mm-hmm. No other place is more scenery chewing than this part. It's like his physical acting as he crawls over to the Genesis device. It's so good. I will grapple with thee from hell's heart. I stab at thee. Oh, yeah. No, I love it. My only part I really wished would have happened in this, and if I did a, a, a John edit, it'd be as he's quoting this, and he's like, I spit my last breath at thee. I want his viewfinder to clear up just to see the Enterprise hit warp and just leave. Yeah. <laughs> just him go, I, oh, man. I thought that same thing. Because he dies thinking that he has the upper hand, which, I mean, it doesn't matter. He's dead. He's not, like, he can't enjoy the fact that he has won. But it would be great to be like, oh, you can't run now. And then it'd be like, pew, and be like, what? And then it explodes. <laughs> you know, like, I want him to kind of have the whole Tarkin escape in our moment of triumph. Boom yes. moment. I want Khan to have that, but it's stopped short by him thinking that he won and then just, you know, <laughs> Kirk and them like, do skiddly doodle Yeah, because he's like, and Kirk is just like, oh, Scotty, how'd you do it? And then he looks over and he sees the empty Spock chair and he realizes, oh, no. He really puts it together. I mean, kudos to William Shatner for this acting because he does a lot of nonverbal acting here. That is very good. And, uh, of course, the scene between him and Spock, where Spock is... I mean, also, Leonard Nimoy. I mean, Jimny Jumpin' Jeebus. Like, this guy is just, like, a next-level actor. He is... Him sort of huddling in the corner, dying, because he's been exposed to so much radiation. And then he, like, gets up. You can tell he's, like, it's very painful for him to do so. He straightens his uniform and then walks over yeah. and runs into the plexiglass. That, if done even a little bit incorrectly, is ridiculous. It would be yep. a laughable scene. But it is so sad and so heartbreakingly effective in this movie that you just have to, like, this whole scene is just, it hits as hard today than it did at the time. Although, like you said, knowing what happens in the next movie does take a little bit of the punch out of it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, to, to your point, it is a very moving see, scene. It harkens back to a conversation that they had a little bit earlier about the 
good of the many versus the good of the few or the one. Mm. And, you know, it's Kirk kind of reiterating that this was logical to do this. It made the most sense. And um, this is, to what you were saying earlier, this is kind of Kirk's, you know, unwinnable situation. You know, even though he beat Khan... Most of his crew made it out unscathed. He lost someone. He lost someone who, you know, was his friend. And, you know, it, it sucked. And to your point, yeah, I love when he gets up and you can see that Spock has the wherewithal to just straighten his uniform before he presents himself was just like, you know, you know that wasn't written in the stage direction. That was just something that he chose, and it was it, it's a great choice. Truly. And, uh, you know, I wondered, so they have the funeral scene next and they have that scene, that brief scene between, uh, Kirk and his son where they make a connection. And I always wondered in the funeral scene, they play amazing grace on bagpipes. Yep. (laughs) Just the, the the traditional Vulcan funeral song. There's not a Vulcan thing you could have done. Scotty's like, I know just the thing. This is what I, exactly what I played when I shot my, my nephew out of <laughs> my nephew so tube earlier. <laughs> I'm still alive. Uh, but uh, yeah, they and then of course there's the famous uh, speech by Kirk where he uh, it's great. He gets choked up and he says "human" in a really human, human way that that people love to parody. But um, I I mean I love it. It's him being choked up. It, uh, absolutely, it's a beautiful yeah. speech. It is a little bit like human superiority though because he's like he wasn't stupid like a vulcan he was he was the most human and that's the best thing you could be uh i, I mean yeah but no we all know yeah that'd be true but um, I, yeah i mean this is a version of the uh this is a version of the enterprise that that included very few non-humans so i get it it's just couldn't, you know, af- that's, couldn't afford it nope <laughs> Everybody was human, or, uh, or 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 you got crazy ears, or you're like Savic, which is casting I, an actress who will fit into these old ears from Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Nimoy's cast off ears. We need someone with the same ear shape. Yeah, but don't worry, we're not going to recolor them, so they will look two tone. Especially yeah, if you have a high def television, which no one will ever have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, high def, high def. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, we get a terrific send off, and then everyone's kind of just happy afterwards. They're just like, "Oh, cool, Genesis Planet, it's crazy." I'm about to come back here sometime. Anyway, let's get out of here. They get out of here. Um, then we get a shot of Genesis Planet with the yeah the torpedo on it with the Spock's torpedo, and you just go, "Mm-hmm." This is basically the the uh, after credit scene before there was an after credit scene. Yep, and then we get a uh, Spock doing the uh, the boldly go, which uh, yeah I really enjoy. I like the, the the revisions to this. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and uh, thus ends uh, one of the just one of the best uh, Star Trek movies of all time. Do you think it's your number one? Oh, easy, easy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's it's close for me. I like this one. It's for me it's like I would really have to think about is it this or insurrection uh insurrection. Uh is it this or 
What is the one with the Borg and first Next contact. Generation? First Contact, yeah. Is it this or First Contact? I mean, for me, First Contact is second. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, <laughs> Rathacon's first, First Contact, second, then I would probably go for me. Um, I like the Voyage Home. It's silly. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I like the parts in San Francisco. And probably yeah. Undiscovered Country. I think that's true. I think that's true for me too. I saw that one when I was, I can clearly remember seeing that one when I was a kid, the journey home. And, uh, I really liked it. Of course it was like, you know, the whole save the whales was like really in vogue at the time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was just fun. You know, had like that, that, I like that fish out of water story where people are like future stuff. Whoa, I'm This is crazy. This This is I can't believe it. It's it's cuckoo. Yeah, I still write things um, on paper. And I also felt like it was a good makeup for the fact that uh, Nimoy directed the search for Spock, but then they gave him the voyage home, and he, he really he really improved on that one. He's like, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, compared to the search for Spock, yes. I think the search for Spock for me is probably the... Probably my least. Well, that's not true. The motion picture is probably my least favorite, but the search for Spock is yeah. really up there. Of um, the original, the search for Spock is bad, but the motion the, nothing holds a candle to how boring the motion picture is. Yeah, it just like it. It just feels like it's a bunch of look at what we can do, like effect shots, and then just uh, a very uninspired story. And then the generation crew kind of had. Yeah, First Contact's probably my favorite out of that group. I mean, the First Contact is like the... I don't want... This is going to be a controversial thing to say, but the First Contact movie, uh, and as far as Next Generation films go, is the only one that I like. No, I don't think you're... No, that's the thing. We are, we are in agreement. Okay. We are uh, in agreement. I'm not... I do fucking Generations, which should have been like badass, and... It's just like, oh, how does, uh, well, spoilers for a film from 1990, what, three or four or something? William Shatner dies on a bridge. He falls. But not he holds the onto bridge, a bridge you think it would be. Nope. <laughs> not the bridge, not the bridge, bridge you'd be. want. Yeah. Fucking no, he, bridge he's on a, a rickety, <laughs> Yeah, he's on a rickety bridge uh, that falls down and he yeah. dies. He, he dies uh, on the bridge that when you're at a, you're at a play you know play school yard or something that's like three feet off the ground and that thing shakes apart that's what he died on versus the bridge of the enterprise one last time i don't know what the f- anyway yeah first yeah. contact is it has the borg you know and i have a, a really love hate relationship with the borg but it is probably my it's my favorite one out of the next gen crew yeah better than the one with like the 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 plastic surgery alien who they and they go to the planet where they all get younger and Worf gets pimples. <laughs> that one is like, I think that one's a little underrated because it just feels like a, a long episode of the Next Generation show, and that's fine by me. But at the same time, it's like for a movie, it's like yikes! This is the stakes have never been lower <laughs> for the yeah. Enterprise crew. Yeah, that's like what insurrection, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Nemesis. The they had to break the 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 chain of all the 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 even ones being the good ones with Nemesis. Holy shit, that could have been cool, but nope. 
yeah. Uh, terrible. Terrible for so many reasons we want to get into today. But yeah. uh, there you go. That's going to do it for us. Uh, one, one, th- uh, one more thing. Actually, I wanted to mention before we go. We were talking about the funeral scene earlier. Uh, and... We were. I also kind of addressed that, like, even though I came up with this movie to honor Nichelle Nichols, <laughs> she's not in it all that much. Uh, and that is just driven home by the scene where they're showing Spock's coffin. Now, Uhura is someone who's gone on many missions with Spock and has a previous existing relationship with him. But when they're cutting around to people reacting, they show Captain Kirstie Alley tearing up and being real sad. And then Uhura is like standing right next to her. She doesn't even look like she understood that she like heard that they called action. <laughs> She's just staring kind of off in the middle distance, be like, uh huh. In a way that makes me think, like, when she's just like, well, th- this sucks. <laughs> I have like five lines in this movie. <laughs> I mean, definitely underutilized for sure, but I'll be. Damned if I'm going to talk any one of these other movies um, at all. That's the thing. (laughs) That's the thing. There's probably better Uhura showcases out there, but none of the other movies I really want to talk about. That's just the truth. I was like, I mean, yeah. That's just how I feel. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I When you said Wrath of Khan, I was like, perfect. That's my favorite one. Done. I don't, you know, like we could go back into the original series and try to find one, which we probably should have done. But now let's talk about like just what Star Trek kind of means to us or, you know, our just our take on it and just go from it there. So, yeah, luckily, uh, not luckily, but just it, it just so happens that uh, Nichelle Nichols had an incredible life and was outside of star trek was a truly groundbreaking and historical figure uh that deserves to be honored and um you know we are just two dorks uh talking into microphones uh you know for ourselves mostly Mm -hmm. and uh this is how we are doing it and so you know this one goes out to you uh, Nichelle Nichols, you will be missed. You have left an indelible mark on the thing that we love mm-hmm. and uh, life in general. And, uh, you know, uh, what else can I say? She will be missed, and it is a tragedy that she's gone. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Sorry out there if you heard my dog barking in the background, but uh, she has decided that a silhouette of some sort of box that's sitting by the door is uh, something that is scary, and so uh, she has made her uh, voice known. But uh, aside from that, I think it's time to take it away uh ricardo malta for us <laughs> a big thank you to burton m6 for all the incredible music on our show you can find a link to his fiverr page in our show notes you can also find links to our social media discord and merch store in our show notes as well just click that pico link from us here at pop saga to all of you out there We want to say thank you for joining us. Your support means the world. We hope that you're feeling happy and healthy 
and we'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. Now here's John with one last bit of sage advice before we say goodbye. Thanks, Ricardo Monteforest. I'm going to end on another Nichelle Nichols quote. So remember, folks, Gene's whole vision was that minorities weren't on set because we were minorities. We were on set because in the future, our diverse world would be all working together as equals. I understand that everyone needs to see role models that can inspire them and talk to them and represent them. But I believe that we need to move to a future that transcends race, gender, or anything else. We're all people. Here, here. Hey, thank you for tuning in to all my super fans. Hope you coming back again. Got a shout out to Fresca. I know you riding with me as we pull up in the Hyundai Delhi City. <laughs> you want the hype? I gotcha. Gotta keep it locked right here on Pop Saga. Woo! Pop Saga, let's go.